we have names. Um, Alex, what is your name? Uh, my name is Alex. Oh. <laughs> my name's Nick. My name's Elise. Hi. Hi. That was a terrible opening. <laughs> it was the like, worst we've done in a while. I feel like it would have been better if we had started the recording on Elise ranting about uh, <laughs> sexually harassing Renaissance oh fair owners. Y'all, can I just can yeah. I just read this real quick? Let's start with this, because I um, feel like this is a nice intersection. I just, oh my god, my little leftist heart just grew three <laughs> sizes today. Um, a Wago landlord, owner of Renaissance Fair, to pay $400,000 in sexual harassment settlement. And I'm just like, fuck, yes. Somebody finally had to pay some fucking money um, for sexual harassment. Like, yeah. somebody finally, like, it's like, finally happened. Hard and now that it's dollar, happened, it won't dollar, happen again. It won't happen again. Dollar, okay. they, they threw this guy who owned a rent fair <laughs> under the bus. Under the bus. So the rest of them can get away yeah. with it. It's like um, it's like some sort of like ritual sacrifice, you know. Every once in a while, you find someone. That who's... guy. Oh, he owns like a Renaissance fair. Like that nerd. Yeah, yeah. That Fuck him. Loser. That that won't uh, affect the rest of us too much. No, but it just like I don't know why. It just makes me really happy that it's, um, that like one of these fuckers finally had to cough up some dough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's. I mean, it would be better to see him behind bars. Yeah, well, of course. But sometimes, like, dollar dollar bills. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, um, but apparently, like, he had tenants, and he was, like, just being a shithead. Oh, my God. A, a sexual... landlord I know, being right? a shithead? A, a landlord being a shithead. Holy crap. Alert the media. I'm sure no just, one has you know, no, yeah. ever experienced Oh, God. Anyway. Hey, you know what? Our president's a landlord. Is a uh, shithead. <laughs> anyway, fuck this guy. Fuck the horse he rode in on, and he's gonna have to pay four hundred thousand uh, dollars to his tenants. Good. So that makes me really, really fucking happy. A taste of things to come. A taste of things to come. You know what? This time it's four hundred thousand dollars. Next time it's the guillotine, bitch. Yeah. One can or, dream. You know, more four hundred thousand, like more payments of four hundred thousand dollars, just to every individual person in just, the country. Yeah, That'd it's nice. yeah. I, I want that to be the slogan. It's guillotine, bitch. It's like it's Britney, <laughs> bitch. But I know, right? I just like I don't know. I love all the people that kept telling us like, oh well, you'll you'll be more conservative when you're older. Yeah. Like you'll feel differently. And I'm like. I have actually gotten more to the left as I've gotten mm-hmm. older. Yeah. Like, when I was 22, I was like, I mean, I guess, you know, like, lower taxes help corp- help small businesses. And now I'm, like, guillotine every business owner <laughs> in America. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I think I was, I don't know who it was that posted. It might have been one of you two on Facebook. But probably. somebody posted an article that was talking about how the reason why a lot of seniors are conservative oh, yeah, is because, because those the poor ones, ones die off. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus, that's the uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Because it's all the rich ones that survived to be in their 80s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I that, shared that, I but I saw that. I believe that, though. Like, yeah. that, that makes yeah. so much sense. It makes sense. so much sense. Yeah. That's really depressing. Shit. It's awful. Think about all of the, like cool old people who'd be alive right now if we had universal health care yeah instead, actually though instead like, like we're left with like john bolton like, goddamn joe biden joe biden Ugh. other people trying to push us to war with iran like, mm-hmm. god damn it i'm really i'm really over joe biden like 
I, I think we've discussed this on the podcast before, if not definitely in real life, where it's like maybe instead of like, maybe instead of running for president, we just, you know, used Obama's Netflix connections <laughs> to get Joe Biden his own reality show. Yeah. And I feel like that would, that would, that would, you know, that would suffice. satisfy his itch to be in the public eye, mm-hmm. you know? Well, he... and but like, but keep him well away from the realm of politics. We could get him like a little. He could he could go to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware and like open up a little ice cream shop, and it could be like all about his trials and tribulations of like running an ice cream shop, like I... like Netflix. Get on this, please, I... because I don't but want him to be my president. I feel like, like if he had a, but... if he had a reality show, it would basically be like Orange County Choppers. <laughs> but it would just be like him Rehoboth on... Beach yeah <laughs> Orange or Rehoboth Beach choppers yeah yeah. but like he wants to be the Republican that all the Republicans said they were when Trump got elected I yeah. know I know it's yeah. it, don't trust the process like I don't know like we don't... can't I mean and also he oh my god he's not a Democrat no yeah, he... like he's just he's not a fucking like, like he was really useful he eulogized Strom Thurmond everyone <sighs> god, remember that damn it like he is really fucking useful for one thing in his life which was like convincing a bunch of old white people to vote for Obama that's true and like you've done that we're good like you're <laughs> you you have actually satisfied your duty to the public you have fulfilled, you know, you have, like, like d- just, just, it's okay. Like, what, if we're going to uh, vote for, like, an old white vice president, like, could we just vote in Al Gore? You guys realize yeah. that if he had run in 2016, we would probably have President Bernie Sanders right now, though? Why do you say that? Because he would have split the Hillary He would have split the vote with Hillary about, like, we need to go for the one who's more yeah. electable. And then we just, it's Bernie, bitch. It's Bernie, bitch. It's Bernie, bitch. <laughs> yeah. That would have be uh, been nice. Um, oh. Anyway, let's let's talk about less depressing things. I, hey. Can I say something controversial? Go for it. I, the, the show is for nothing I know, if right? not for that. Okay, like, I know um, she was hashtag problematic, but I really like Liz Warren. <laughs> I feel like I had to, like, ASMR that, like. I really like Liz Warren. Yeah, I mean she's fine. I mean, like she she's, has. She's plans. not. She's definitely not the worst of the people running for president <laughs> right now. But like she has fucking plans. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not just like here's a vague promise. It's like this is what I want to do. This is how I want to pay for it. It did kind of bother me because I think like I read her. I read an article, like an interview with her with the Washington Post. Mm. That was kind of like she was like, eh, I think it's like a lot of what I'm I'm fighting for is a fantasy, but if we can get close to that, then we'll be happy. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. But that kind of mindset will set you up to compromise in a way that puts you yeah. short of even that. Which, yeah. which is the thing that kind of bothers me because I think some of her her things are good, but they don't take it. To, they could be taken further. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like instead of a hundred that like, why are we limiting public uh, forgiveness of 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 student loans to 50,000 like why not 100,000 like why not you know mm-hmm. um why not burn Navient to the ground wait, and right, put like... the heads of their um, <laughs> board of investors on pikes yeah, yeah. exactly I mean like, like 
like, like that's I would the be willing to compromise <laughs> from if that, that position. was the position yeah. she was taking. And then, like, you start and from there, there. <laughs> and then you pull it back, pull down the pikes yeah, yeah, yeah. a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. just on display in, yeah. like, yeah, a mausoleum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can hang over a bridge. Yeah. yeah. We don't need pikes. Yeah. We don't need actual physical pikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's, like, I'm like, no, 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 Liz. Go further. Do more. Go go run left. Here's, here's what I will say, though. Yeah. Because, I mean... I like her more than Butterburg. Oh, yeah. Butterburger. Yeah. Whatever his fucking name is. I'm sorry. Butterburgers? Uh, God. Uh, Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> that is the best thing that Donald Trump has ever said. What? <laughs> is when he called Pete Buttigieg Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh, this God. is the first time, first and probably perhaps only time I will ever agree with you. But yeah. okay, that was funny. That was, that yeah, was good. That was I good. liked it. That was good. <laughs> Oh god, we were watching um, the other night because we have we have dinner like once a week with my parents because reasons, and um, we always end up watching like bad network television, oh, like yeah. you do with baby boomers because yeah. it's their favorite fucking thing. And so we were watching like this celebrity game show. Oh god, yeah. And it was like all these tweets, and she was like, "All right, kids, like which one, which one's a real tweet from Trump?" And the joke was like, "All, all of them, them were real, real tweets." Yeah. And it was funny. Cause like my parents were like, oh, I think it's the one about Kristen Stewart. Oh, I think it's this one. And I was like, no, mom, it's, it's all, all of them. them. <laughs> he tweeted all of those. I thought you were going to be talking about the, the time that we somehow ended up watching like five minutes of Last Man Standing. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was like Christ. the most painful oh thing I've ever seen. <laughs> No, and then, like, my parents are trying to get us to, like, root for, like, the small business owner, and we're like, no, 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 he hangs, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... Did you say that to you? No, we didn't say that, because th- there was somewhere a line that was like, you know it's possible to uh, to make money without being evil, and I said, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I was like, no, he's exploiting his workers, mom. And, and my mother was just like... Stop. What? <laughs> anyway, so I think this is like, God, I don't know why my parents keep inviting us back to dinner because it's like literally once a week. We go there, we eat their food, and then we troll them. And I'm like, dear God, like, thank you for still loving me, mom and dad. Thank you for helping us pay for our wedding. I don't know, but like, once a week, we go there, we troll the baby boomers, we eat their food. Maybe this is why everybody hates millennials. <laughs> Maybe we are the worst. No, no. God, we're we're good. No, I think I think we're actually the worst, and we definitely had it in for Applebee's. Applebee's had it coming. Okay, (laughs) Applebee's did have it coming. What was? There was someone that I was listening to. I think I was listening to an episode of Knowledge Fight recently, um, because I'm still making my way through the back catalog, and um, they were talking about. I can't remember who they were talking about, but they. Alex Jones was, of course, pulling someone out of context. Can't remember who it was, but... Oh, um, I remember. It was Al Gore. Um, and it, oh, Al Gore. Because it was basically... Alex Jones was spinning it as, Al Gore's trying to turn these kids against their parents. It's just like in Nazi Germany. Um, and... <laughs> And basically, basically what the quote, it was very benign because like what the quote, it was Al Gore talking to a group of school kids and he was like, you know, when I was growing up and we, you know, we, the big, the big uh, thing that people were focusing on was civil rights. And when we were kids and we started asking our parents why people couldn't have all the same rights and they couldn't answer those questions, that's when those laws started to change. Like, you know, Al Gore's point basically being that 
when you're not indoctrinated into a specific way of thinking, like it's easier for you to point out the problems with it. Um, yeah. Which is essentially what he was saying was, you've come up in a different time, so maybe you can fix some of the problems that like our generation like is in, ingrained in. Yeah. Like the things like that you didn't grow up with Cold War propaganda shoved down your throat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which is why we're all super into socialism. Yeah. Right. It's because we're like, no, that because, and I think there's been a lot of news articles about this too. Like when our generation thinks about, and Generation Z, the generation below us, thinks about socialism, we think about Finland. Yeah. We think about Norway. We don't think about like the USSR. I mean, I think about the USSR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comrade, don't worry. No. But uh, no one's yeah. saying you. No one's saying open borders. I'm, I'm saying, saying open, open borders. borders. <laughs> I'm saying no borders. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because like one of my one of my coworkers um, apparently has her degree in Soviet studies. Okay. <laughs> so she has like a dual degree in Russian and Soviet studies, um, and I was like, okay, uh, live your life. And so she had actually spent like a semester in, in the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting. It was funny because like the way she was talking about it, it was like, it's a lot of like standing in lines, and like if you ever see like a long line, it's because it's for something really good, like butter. And I was like, you know, I, I could live that life. Uh, yeah, I could like, do that. <laughs> yeah, like, I could afford. That actually doesn't sound that bad. No. Like I don't know, like the way she was talking about it, I was like. I could live in the Soviet Union. It's because, <laughs> I mean, it's because there's enough butter and not too much butter. Yeah. That, like, goes to waste to pay, butter. Do I not have to pay, like, if I, if I break an arm and a leg, do I not have to pay an arm and a leg? Yeah. I think, I think I could live there. Could, could we do, um, could we do, like, uh, like, seize Amazon and nationalize it and just, like, instead of having to wait in line, like, the drone just comes by and gives you your, your ration? Your butter? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> butter drone. I feel like. Luxury cases. What- what what do you do? What is your purpose? You you bring the butter. <laughs> the butter. Yeah. yeah. We have robots for bringing us butter now. I am so depressed. Uh, no, but it'd be good though. Oh my god. No, I think that I think like as long as you don't give it a button to question it, I think mm-hmm. as long as you know it's like oh no, I fulfill my purpose. I feel very good about delivering butter. When when uh when nations are done and we have no more purpose for war anymore, we can re we we can reuse all of those like who's, predator drones. Who's that fucker in charge of Amazon? Uh, Jeff Bezos? Bezos. When Bezos's head is on a spike. Yeah. Anyway. No, we'll just we'll get we'll get all of the predator drones from the Department of Defense when yeah. war is no longer a thing, mm-hmm. and like we'll we'll repurpose all those Hellfire missiles to like distribute like food and sundries. Yeah, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really for this. <laughs> like, so <laughs> launch these, the, what are, the payload for this missile is like teddy bears. Launch this well, I'm pretty sure, area. I'm pretty sure that's what some conservatives think. That's what we do already. I think you're probably right. It would be really easy to switch. Oh, this military is here on humanitarian purposes. <laughs> oh yes. The humanitarian mission to Yemen. Oh it's, God. Uh, oh oh Jesus. A lot of teddy bears coming out of those drones. Yeah, yeah. The Northrop Grumman teddy bears. What did I What did I say earlier today? I said, it's not genocide if America does yeah, it. Yeah. It's freedom side. Yeah. Ah. I, I love the, um, uh, the tweet that I saw recently where I was like, you know, if, if you can't call it uh, uh, the whole stupid debate about whether or not ICE detention centers or concentration camps, they are. But... Uh, 
the the joke was you know it's not uh it's only they're only it's concentration, only concentration camps, camps if it comes from the concentration camp region of Germany. Otherwise, it's otherwise it's uh, sparkling white uh, sparkling detention sparkling, center. Sparkling, uh, no, it was sparkling human rights violation. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, let's let's talk uh, about some pop culture stuff, shall we? Let's let's get off of this depressing world world oh, ending God. war with Iran that's about to come up that they're probably going to reinstate the draft for. Let's get off of all that and, and talk about fun I guess things. You were, you're too old to be drafted. No. High five. No. Oh. It's, uh, last time they had it, it was up till 40. Are you too fat? Probably not. Damn it. I might be close. Maybe I just eat a lot. I'm just, gonna, <laughs> just give myself heart like you're disease. Like you're going to gain back all the weight that you lost from running. There you go. Or I'll just go to prison like, uh, like Muhammad Ali, you know? If you go to prison, I'll uh, bring you a cake with a file in it. There you go. I, I love you. I, I like, if they tried to draft millennials, mm-hmm. like, I'm Oh, Jesus. Just... <laughs> there are not enough prisons that are already filled with, anyway. Like, I think if they are willing to give millennials guns and train them how to use them, I don't know. Mm. I'm not an accelerationist, except when I am. <laughs> <laughs> except when it suits my purposes. I like you know if i'm gonna go well i mean i wouldn't be drafted because lady parts but um cisgendered white woman anyway uh in the house but was where was i going with this jesus christ something Um, about lady parts so well like i wouldn't be drafted but if i was i mean if you're gonna go down anyway you might as well just go down for a low-level marijuana violation Mm. right like Smoke a blunt at the at the station. <laughs> Fuck it. Like if I'm gonna go down anyway for dodging the draft. I if mean, it's that or killing Iranian civilians. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, right. We'll, I mean, if, we'll at least be, in prison you get free healthcare. So we'll all be hanging out on the on the group W bench. Woo! With the mother stabbers and the father rapers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nice, nice it's, reference. It's yeah. Good. It's not. It's not Thanksgiving. You can't. No, it's not. Right. But I feel like it was still appropriate. <laughs> That song does not exist the rest of the year. <laughs> Only on Thanksgiving. It tunnels out I've, of its hole. I've got it on vinyl over there. It exists in it, other parts Jesus, of the year. It, 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 it tunnels out of its hole and rears its head, and then people have, watch the movie. Yeah. And then it like disappears for the rest of the year. I have it's like the ground for it somewhere. There's a book for There's it. There's a book for it. I watched the movie. That was a thing. That was a thing. Oy. Yeah. Anyway. John Waters apparently got out of um, the draft for being John Waters. Mm, that works. They asked him, like, what was it? He he was asked, uh, what role would you like to play? And he just went, oh, honey, I play Oliver. <laughs> and then they were like, you're good. You can go. <laughs> just like, God bless John Waters. American hero John Waters. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, guys, anyway. we we keep like this is the third time yeah. that we're like let's move away. We're gonna stop move talking away. about world events. Let's, let's talk about let's I talk just... about less important things, uh, more fun uh, things like Chinese murder mysteries, like Chinese murder mysteries, luxury like, gay space communism. Like, we already talked about that. I know, but I want to talk more about Star Trek. Okay, we can talk about Star Trek. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, I also want to talk about uh, you know, we've got stuff. We can talk Should about we, good omens. We can talk, talk about, about good omens. Like, yeah. yeah. We got stuff. Why we got stuff this week, guys. Talk about your uh <laughs> the movie that you watched I, while I was not here. I feel I don't know. What can we say about this movie? It's an experience. Okay, so. okay first of all, tell everybody what the fucking movie is. Okay. Let's, let's start, start there. Let's start there. A beginning is a very delicate time. <laughs> um so we watched 
Detective D. Detective D. The Mystery of the Phantom Flame? Was that the subtitle? I think so. Something like that. Something about the Phantom Flame. Mm -hmm. Um, So, So, Alex, since you were the one that wanted to watch this movie... I... So, I think we brought this up on the podcast. Yeah, I think we have. Um, So, for those that don't remember, don't know, Judge D, D. Renji, is a historic figure from Tang Dynasty, China, who was a magistrate, prefect, and eventually an advisor to the empress, Empress Wu, Wu Zedian. Anyway, historic context aside... Um, this historic context <laughs> for this film does not matter. <laughs> historic context aside, he later became a kind of a cult character for a bunch of fiction that was written in Manchu, China, um, as a great detective that solved crimes. And uh, in his uh, role as a prefect or as a magistrate of a you know town, basically, and these stories. Uh, some of them were more fanciful than others, uh, one of which involved a supposed liaison with the Empress. Um, but one of the stories that was more kind of murder mystery focused uh, was translated into English by a Dutchman who was there in World War II. And he then wrote his own continuations of it, and it became the Judge D series. And it's a series that I am currently reading as we speak. Um, however, this is, is barely a- that. <laughs> this is Detective D, a, a film, a Chinese film by, who's the director? Someone you've seen um, before. Sui Hark. Sui Hark. Uh, who directed Vampire Hunters, Journey to the West, and like a lot of other, like, a lot of other movies exactly like this. <laughs> um, which is not a bad thing. They're all entertaining, mm-hmm. but... Uh, so, yeah, for those of you, okay, for those who are completely unfamiliar with, with either the movie or the books, Mm -hmm. I think I have, from my understanding of the books, and having seen the movie, this is the way that I would describe it. Take the relationship between the original Conan Doyle Sherlock stories Mm -hmm. and the, um, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Sherlock Holmes movies Mm -hmm. and then ramp that up (laughs) to about 13. (laughs) Like if if the, if that's a 10, you know, if that's like a, in terms of like ramping up the action and ridiculousness, like boost it up a few more points. Mm -hmm. And like, you kind of have an idea of what this movie is. Yeah. It's, there's a character that refuses to take stairs. There's, yeah <laughs> preferring to like just leaps around <laughs> dong lay is yeah, extra as yeah, fuck dong lai um who i guess is supposed to be an albino i think so yeah yeah they don't really talk about it but he's always like he's got on this like pale makeup and is like always hiding his face from the sun and his hair is white yeah he's yeah i mean the actor might be albino i'm not sure I, no he's clearly wearing makeup like, okay. and he doesn't have the bright color eyes to be actually albino Mm. um but it's wacky yeah (laughs) so so there were like five separate times watching this movie that nick just like (laughs) cried out what (laughs) what and to this movie's credit all of those things, like, like by the end of the movie, I understood what those things were. <laughs> yeah. But they seem to have just come out of nowhere. Yeah. 
Um, so do you want to do you want to do a, a play by play of this movie, or do you want to leave it more I, ambiguous? Let's let's do a brief play by play because I feel like we have a lot of other things to talk about this week. Okay. Um, do you want to take it? So, it, it opens up with uh, the Empress Wu about to ascend the throne. Uh, and to commemorate the occasion, she's having this giant statue of the Buddha built, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're they're examining the Buddha, making sure it's going to be ready for her uh, commence, like her um, coronation. Uh, and suddenly, the the head, I guess the architect, the guy in charge of the project, basically mysteriously bursts into flames like spontaneous human combustion style um having just moved one of the sacred uh amulets that's supposed to be protecting it so people are saying oh no it's divine retribution he got you know the the you know the, he was divinely punished for moving these sacred amulets mm-hmm. um and then someone else who had done the same thing who was there kind of inspecting or no had been there to investigate the death um, and in the investigation, also moved the amulet. In the investigation, also moved the amulet. Uh, later, also dies in the exact same way. So there's a mystery afoot. At this point, a talking deer, <laughs> which was the first moment where I went, what? <laughs> Did you get that, Elise? A, a talking Sorry. deer. Like a deer, a deer shows up. <laughs> And starts speaking in riddles, and the empress is like, hmm, yes, this means that I need to release uh, D from prison. Because <laughs> apparently D starts off this movie as a political prisoner. Alex, is that any basis in history? Not really, no. He did have his, like, rivals and, like, his... Like, because he was a big proponent of expansion to, like, the West. So, like, into the Tarim Basin. But, like, that was well after, he, you know, Wu had ascended the throne. So, yeah. like, no, he, he, I don't believe he was a political prisoner that opposed her reign. Um, but that's how he starts off in this movie. Yeah. Also pretending to be blind for some reason? What? Yeah. I think that he, like, argues that if he, people think he's blind, they're not going to think he's a threat, and so they won't, like, try to poison him. I guess. Yeah. So. yeah. That's hella hashtag ableist. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he's... He's released from prison after having killed a whole bunch of assassins. Nin- uh, ninja assassins who attack them. I guess they're not ninjas, but um, they act like ninjas. Uh, who try to attack him while he's in prison. Then he's released from prison. Um, then there's a sex fight scene? Yeah, so so <laughs> the Empress has an ad- like a, a, a trusted advisor slash bodyguard yeah. uh, woman who she sends to basically watch over him. Mm-hmm. To make sure that he's like not doing something weird, or but so yeah, there's a weird like this is the second time he went what? No, I think I just started laughing because like they were like he says something about like oh so you're gonna do whatever I need right and she's like the empress has ordered me to and so she thinks at that moment that he's gonna demand sex and he's like all right well I've been in prison for years so I need a good shave help me with my shave woman <laughs> and so. And, like, is just kind of sassing her, like, because he knows that she's, you know, spying on him, basically. Um, And then there's, like, this whole, like, back and forth where she's got, like, the razor to his neck. And he's like, no, my beard's up here. You need to shave up here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then then she just takes her top off for some reason. (laughs) And then there are arrows. Yeah, and then, like... 
10 billion crossbow <laughs> bolts fly through the walls. Yeah. And and hits a bird in the wings. Yeah. Which turns out to be important. It does turn out to be important. Um um I again, I let's not go through like every little thing right. that, that happens. So eventually they like they kind of uncover what had happened they, to the people. They go to a dark souls level. Well, before that they <laughs> they kind of uncovered that there was some kind of chemical in them that when it comes from worms that are beetles. apparently beetles that are found in like the the western provinces, so like in the Taran Basin area. Uh, and uh, there's a doctor in this Dark Souls level, mm. Doctor Donkey Wang, uh, <laughs> who I know, I, I I know Wang is a Chinese name. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry, it's juvenile to laugh at something like that. I feel like, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was probably done on purpose. Yeah. Um. So you want to talk about the the Undercity? Yeah. What the fuck was that about? Because <laughs> there's like, oh yeah, we, they built this city on top of this other city. And that at first city is still there? <laughs> Underground. Because the old city, the, the t- city on top of that city burnt down. Yeah. And so like, it's like Moss Eyes. Yeah, so we go here. It's... And up to this point, the movie has been fairly grounded in reality, right? So like, talking deer aside, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you need to put your phone down. Yeah, and talk, talking Deer aside, <laughs> this movie has been fairly grounded in reality because the Talking Deer is actually explained. But the stuff that we see in this underground city, never explained. Because, like, I was really hoping this is the part of the podcast where I just got to, like, zone out in no, Facebook you for, need like, 20 to, minutes. You need to hear these things. While you two, like, talked about the, the fucking movie. <laughs> but now I'm being told that I have to engage with the content. Yes. And I'm feeling less. <laughs> enthusiastic about this. <laughs> no, you need to hear this shit. Jesus okay. Christ. So we go to this underground city, which again, this movie has been relatively grounded in reality. You know, the fight scene choreography is a little like, like completely off the wall, but that's like, but that's you know. typical for a Soy Hark film. But then like we go to this underground city and like, there are people with six arms. There's cannibalism. Um, there's like all these crazy wild things that are like, you see that are again, like never brought up. Um, it looks like, so the way that I thought of it, it's like those scenes in the dungeon of like the three musketeers where there's like, which version, uh, like the Disney version, oh, okay. uh, where there's like just water everywhere and everyone gets places by boats <laughs> and it's like super dark and yeah. cavernous. Yeah, it is. It looks a lot like the, um, the place underneath the opera and the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. <laughs> like that too. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, they find Donkey Wang and he talks to them for a bit. Then there's another fight wait, scene. Wait, wait, Donkey Wang? Donkey Wang. <laughs> Dr. Yes. Donkey Wang. This is why you need to pay attention because there's like 50 characters in this movie. And I need to all be more drunk for this. I, I cannot do this. Go make yourself another I, drink. I... Um, so, so they go meet Donkey Wang. Donkey Wang talks to them for a while. Then there's another fight scene with a guy who looks like the Imperial Chaplain. But isn't. But isn't. And, and it, like, and has, like, his arms fly off. Yeah. And, like, at people. Yeah. And then there's, like, a weird robot thing. Yeah. And then it turns out that, like, again, this is one of those things where it's like, what? What? Because, like, suddenly his arms turn into a robot. And the robot starts fighting people. 
And I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Then you find out that the robot that was his arm that was flying off and attacking people wasn't actually his arm, nor was it a robot. It was, in fact, a puppet. Controlled by assassins. With marionette strings. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like there's a step there that they could have skipped, maybe? Like, I feel like if you're just going to have the arms be controlled by the assassins, like, maybe you don't need it to be a robot. I don't know. Ah. Or wasn't it that his arms? Like, I I completely lost track of what the <laughs> yeah, fuck was Yeah, because, like, those limbs were flying all over the place, and so it was kind of hard to keep track of. The first few times that I saw those limbs fly off, I thought there were other people. Like, I didn't get that there was supposed to be his arms flying off and flying Are we around. out of gin? <laughs> we are out of the, um... Bombay the, Sapphire. The Bombay Sapphire. We might but we have more. other gin? We might. I'm not going to swear to it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) um so what else happened all right so they rescue donkey wang and they bring him back and he like removes some acupuncture yeah he has all these acupuncture pins in him that make him like vaguely look different like (laughs) like slightly different like well no like like donkey wang actually does look pretty different like he he he's aged himself and he like has a bulbous nose and he takes these things out and he like magically forms back into a younger and, person. And he mentions something about acu- a, a particular acupoint that, if if messed with, will prevent people from being able to transform like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to which D flashes back to the time with, when he <laughs> was sex, sex fighting. fighting. And during the sex fight... The, no more gin. <laughs> Why is the gin gone? During the sex fight... Uh, he almost touches that same acupoint on the woman, and she's like, "No, you can't touch me." What now. was her name again? Uh, Jinair. Jinair, yeah, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like um, it ended with an R. I yeah. Why do we have this much vodka? Because <laughs> people keep giving us vodka. Um, so that happens. What happens next? I, like, okay, a, so... This movie's, like, two hours long, and I feel like you could cut an easy half hour of, out of it without it, like, missing much. Um, oh, they go, and they they got separated when they were leaving the right. Dark Souls level. Is this when they, is and, this when they go to the, um, uh, the, the Infinity Monastery or whatever? So, I think, uh, Dong Li goes Dong, there. Dong Lai. Dong Lai, or, like, doesn't go in there, but, like, realizes that it's nearby. Yeah. And uh, they ask Donkey Wang about the, um, about the Beatles. Oh, this, yeah, this is when they find out where, uh, where the Beatles are. Mm-hmm. And apparently they had been... Liverpool. Yes. Well, that's where they started. <laughs> yeah. But they were brought to China um, and kept in Was that this... before or after they were in Germany? Sorry. <laughs> the, um, they were brought in, and basically, like, as an attempt to make, like, a medicine... But it turns out that they're actually lethally poisonous. So he tried to get rid of them all. But he was doing all these experiments in this place called the Infinity Monastery. Um, And so they want to go there. But this is actually like the refuge of the chaplain. uh, Like the court chaplain who uh, has mysteriously vanished and will retire after the coronation so no one will ever need to see him again so he does not want to be disturbed in this monastery yes um uh so dong dong lei there there was something about a like a what was it there was some plans 
yeah. in, a, in like a somebody's library. Yeah, so the the guy who dies first, he's got stuff in his library. That's right. And so he goes to go check that out to go see if like maybe the plans had been altered for the um, for the Buddha for, for the Buddha. Mm-hmm. But when he gets there, the library has burned down. Mm-hmm. However, fortuitously, mm-hmm. he finds out that there has been extensive renovations going on in his house, and so his actual work in the last few months has been happening in another wing of the house, which was not burned down. And there he discovers a secret about the Buddha, which we do not learn at this point. Um, but it turns out that it was like, it had been messed with. Like the, the plans had been altered mm-hmm. at some point in construction. So he is he is captured by some masked figures um, who, you know, don't want this information getting out. Uh, and... I think that's where he leaves off while D goes to the monastery yeah. to fight with more deer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this was the part of the movie where I think I shouted what the most. <laughs> so, seen yeah. So our main character goes to the monastery uh-huh. where he discovers shock of shocks that the lady that he's been hanging out with Jinger, Jinger or whatever. Jing-er. Yeah. Is actually in secret the um the chaplain and that and yeah and she removes the acupoint yeah and her face changes just like a little bit yeah like hardly at all um but she's so she's been secretly the chaplain the whole time and basically like all the bad things that the empress has been doing they've been blaming on this chaplain and so when she actually ascends the throne she won't need this fake person anymore so she's going to like retire this character but now that Judge D knows this, he cannot escape. Mm-hmm. So she summons all of the deer, which, by the way, she's also been using her ventriloquism on these deer to make it seem like the deer are talking, when yeah. actually they're not. Even though... Even though we see the goddamn mouth move <laughs> on the deer! It's like, like weird CGI. It's I like... thought, when we started watching the movie and we saw the deer talk, my first thought was... Well, it's got to be someone doing ventriloquism, and like that's someone who's like really behind all this. Mm-hmm. And then we see a close-up of the deer, and the deer's talking. <laughs> oh, like, well, there goes that idea. And like, I had thought, well, maybe if there was one person, like, if it was just the empress in her alone in her room watching this deer, maybe right. she's like dreaming or like hallucinating or something. No, no, but it's like, but a no, there's like a people. whole entourage and an army is there watching this deer talk. Um, but. No, it was, it was, in fact, ventriloquism, and then he fights all the deer. So, like, the deer, they don't actually talk, but they do fight. fight. Yeah, <laughs> they fight really well. He roundhouse kicks one in the face, which I think made... What? Yes. I think made me laugh for a solid five minutes. It was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. Like, like he flips one into another one yeah. as it's, like, trying to gore him with yeah. its antlers. And he just, like, yeah, he just, like, spins around and kicks it, and it flies to but the ground. But all this time, he's been, like, drugged, so yeah. he's starting to, to, like... To, like, hallucinate at yeah. the same time. It's great. Um... <laughs> and he wins the... Please, f- don't leave. He wins the fight... Um, but in the fight, the lady... No, he gets injured. He gets injured. Saving the lady. Yeah. Oh, he also... He gets a mace. Yeah, he gets a magic he, mace that can break any weapon. Yeah. If he spins the thing on it. Yeah. He has to, he has to power up the gun blade. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the purpose of the spinning the mace is, because it's not even, like... The thing that he hits with doesn't even spin. It's just part of the, the pommel spin. It is explained as, like, he can listen to the sound and find the weak point of it. I, I but, guess. like, I don't know. Whatever it is. It's an iron mace. Yeah. Um, it looks cool as hell. Yeah. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. 
And he keeps he keeps getting like courted by like court officials to side with him, and yeah. one of them gives him his mace. But anyway, so that's what he fights. He fights the the Jingyer, and he gets stabbed, but and, lives. Yeah, and she realizes that he saved her life, um, and so she's like, "Oh, I can't kill him," so she takes him out. But then, but then, sudden tripwire, and a fucking spear goes through her side. It's like a fucking ballista bolt comes out of nowhere and, like, goes right through her. And then then, she hits another one, and a second one gets her. So she has two holes through her abdomen, and she's able to somehow transport herself back to the palace. Yeah. And die in the arms of the Empress. Yeah. Um... And, like, several hours have passed, because it's, like, night when she gets impaled. Mm-hmm. And he, like, wakes up and sees her. Mm-hmm. Like, so he's he's recovered from his injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, at that point, I was like, is this not the end? And I checked, and we had another, like, 30 goddamn minutes left <laughs> in this movie. So, anyway, so Dong Lei is, you know, is missing up to this point. Yeah. And... Uh, D goes and and finds him. He's been like captured, and D opens the door and like this elaborate trap unlocks, which like pulls like sheets off of him, mm-hmm. and in he's exposed in the sun and he's been uh, in- injected with this like beetle juice. Poison. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. It's beetle juice. One more time. Never. <laughs> uh, and so he is um. He, like, starts burning to a crisp, mm-hmm. um, and D is unable to save him. So both his, like, sidekicks have died. Yeah. And it's just D, and he's got to go, and he's got to figure out what's going on. So he he's able to be warned before he dies where Dong Lei had hidden the plans, the plans that he, that he yeah. had found in, like, his saddle, like, under the saddle of his horse. And so he goes, and he finds the plans that have been hidden and discovers that the uh, the center pillar of the Buddha has been hollowed out, mm-hmm. and uh, it... they and they hid it with these magic amulets, mm-hmm. so that you know the people who moved the amulets knew that this thing had been altered, which is why they were the ones to be killed. Mm-hmm. So this time, I think we skipped over a character because we skipped over the villain who was introduced early on. Oh yeah, because he's introduced in like the first part of it and it seems to be important and then we don't see him again until the last, until the third act. Mm-hmm. Which, when we see when we see him again at the end of the movie, I think I looked at you, Alex, and said, man, if it turns out he's behind it all, that's gonna be really dumb. Yeah. And then it turns out he's behind it all. So he was apparently a friend of D. He had like supported him during his previous like treason. Mm-hmm. And he... He was able to um, get out of prison and, like, convince people. Like, he lost his hand as, like, punishment. But he managed to convince people that he'd reformed his ways, got out of prison, was put in charge of, like, the monastery construction. So that's why he knew about the Beatles. And he was put in charge of this, like, you know, public work project. Everyone else forgot about them. And now they're making a movie about it. No, never mind. And, um... And so, as a result, he's, like, set this up for molten, like, metal to file into the base of the Buddha. And then... And melt it in the direction of the coronation ceremony. Yeah, so, so it collapses on the palace. Right. Um, and then they have a fight. Yeah, big fight scene. Climactic fight scene inside the Buddha, which is pretty cool. Um, and at some point in the fight, D gets exposed to the poison. So, 
he can't he can't be in the sunlight yes. that's the thing it's like it's not lethal immediately it's like yeah, only, it's only when... lethal when you get exposed to direct sunlight mm-hmm. so he's like trying to hide himself from the sun as it's rising and um and so d isn't able to stop the buddha from collapsing but he is able to break one of the channels that brings the molten le- metal into it so it doesn't fall directly onto the coronation mm-hmm. it just kind of falls over to the side yeah um so but apparently the uh the mastermind had gone ahead and like organized an army to oppose the empress and like their signal to come and enter the city would be when the buddha fell uh and so he tries to make an escape um on horseback and so d has to chase him and as the buddha is collapsing behind them they're trying to escape and d has to try to hide out of the sun and then like the buddha collapses kind of on the palace still but like not directly on it so the queen is the empress is saved um and then she's like offering d a position as like an advisor and he's like nah that's not me yeah and then and then like the credits and like but no, no, he was an advisor to Empress. Like that's not yeah. that's here. Your history is wrong. But then he... everything else is fine. But you're <laughs> <laughs> except for all of the other things. <laughs> and then he goes down into the Undercity with Donkey Wang to try to cure him of the poison. Yep. And credits. Yeah. And apparently they made two of other of these movies. It, was it two? I think it might have just been one. I thought it was two. I thought like one had come out like this year. Yeah, one came was... out last year. And there was and... another one that had come out in like. 2017 like this one was from like 2015 2010 I think. 2010 so i think there was there were there were two sequels okay um, maybe I, I only remember seeing one other one but maybe there were two mm-hmm. um anyway yeah that anyway. was that was that what, what did we watch that two days ago no yeah two days yeah, ago it was wild yeah because because we're recording this on thursday yeah we usually record on wednesday but elise was not feeling well yesterday mm-hmm. so i'm very sick yep but um but yeah so that that was that was a thing. Like, like here's the thing. I, like, I was talking to my new roommate downstairs and trying to describe, like, we watched a Chinese film. It wasn't a bad film, but it wasn't a good that's, film. That's Sui Hark. Like, basically, <laughs> that's all of his movies. It's like, it wasn't good, but I liked it. <laughs> um, but we, I, I should see if we can find vampires. So we watched this on um, Tubi, mm-hmm. which is another streaming service. It does, like, free stuff. And it's like, it's all shit, except for the things that are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, it's got amazing things on there that aren't available anywhere else. And I was looking through, like, holy shit, this is on here? Mm -hmm. But then it's like, yeah, I don't know. It it was good. Like, I'm glad that it was on there. I should see if Vampire Hunters is on there. Because Vampire Hunters has the the Chinese hopping zombies. So people kung fu fight the Chinese hopping zombies. And it's great. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, so that was what Alex and I did. At least you and I watched a movie as well. What? You and I watched a movie. What? Uh, oh, right. I finally got you to watch. We, we watched the Spodermans. Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, which is a movie that came out three years ago. Two years ago? It came out many years ago. Two years ago. Something, something like that. Probably. I don't know. The sequel's coming out in July. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I've been experimenting with bourbon and elderflower. <laughs> I can't tell if I like it or not. I think it's pretty good. It's good. I don't know. Anyway. You can't um, taste the alcohol in it, which is dangerous. I know, right? Because I was like, I should have just made deer. a fucking... I know, right? <laughs> should have just made a fucking screwdriver. Um, I'm sorry. Wow. I am useless. Okay, so... <laughs> Spider-Man's. Spider-Man! Um, things that I really like about Spider-Man Homecoming... They don't go into the 
origin story of Spider-Man. It's like Good. there's like a three minute conversation, if that, between him and his friend. And it's like, oh, so is a radioactive spider? And he's like, yeah. It's like, is the spider still alive? And I love how, like, a teenage boy's first thought is like, I, too, want to be bitten by this radioactive spider. And he was like, no, the spider's dead. And it's like, okay. And I was like, that's it. And I'm like, thank fucking God. Because, honestly, when did this movie come out? 2017? It's 2017, y'all. Like, we we all know the origin story of Spider-Man. But, okay? But, but what happens like, when you get are given great power release? Oh, we need off. to know. You just fuck off with you and your Sam Raimi editions. This is probably like my favorite version of Spider-Man outside of our this second to uh, into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why in my very drunk way, um, which is like he's actually a fucking teenager. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's an actual fucking teenager with you, daddy issues. Are you saying that? And uh, like, are you saying that uh, Toby, Toby McGuire was not who a was like what thirty when he did that like movie? 35. Like, and granted, like Pizza Tom time. Holland is not a, actually a teenager. Spoiler alert: Tom Holland is not actually a teenager. It's pretty close to it, but like though. when he looks, he looks like, like a teenager, but but it's like the act. You know what I mean? Like the acting, the way that he goes about things, the issues that he has how he deals with, like, things in his personal life. Like, this is absolutely how it would be if some fucking 15-year-old in Queens was given, like, an ungodly amount of power. And like he wouldn't be very responsible? No, fuck no. Fuck that (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? Like, he'd be trying to, like, get daddy to notice him. (laughs) Uh, Which, daddy is Iron Man, by the way. So we're clear. Um... Yeah, that that was his son, I guess. I don't know. Like it's it's good. I like it. Um, I like that they use the Ramones cover of the Spider-Man theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that uh, Donnell Glover makes an appearance, even though he was not Spider-Man. Yeah, which is still sad. He should have been Spider-Man. still sad. I know. I would have paid lots of money to see Donnell Glover as. Spider-Man. Was Willem Dafoe in the Spider-Man? Um, no. no. Sadly. Oh. Uh, but Michael Keaton was. Michael mm-hmm. Keaton. And like I, I love... There, this is like a thing in movies that I've noticed recently and I don't know if it's like gotcha racist or like whatever it is. But like Detective Pikachu also did this where they're using like um, interracial families for like a gotcha moment. Yeah. Like Bet you didn't think the dad was white. Oh, just got proven racist by the racist, racist. prover. Like, that's kind of how it feels because it's like, okay, spoiler alert. Sorry for a movie that came out two years ago. Uh, Michael Keaton is both the bad guy and the father of Spider-Man's love interest in this movie. And it's great because he like the music, you know, and Nick called it as we were watching, but like the music cuts out and he opens the door and it's like, hi, I'm Michael Keaton and I'm the bad guy of this movie. And, um, and of course he's white and like his daughter is black or I guess like she's mixed and like, cause his wife is black. And, um, and it was just like one of those things where I'm like, were you supposed to, were you supposed to be like, Oh, you thought, Oh, <laughs> you're racist. Like, I don't know. Cause like detective Pikachu does the exact same thing yeah. with Ryan Gosling. Like there's like, no way it could the, be him. The twist like, is we're supposed to forget that mixed race couples exist. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> like like this is not you know this is anyway I don't I don't fucking know, um it's it's you know it's super diverse um I don't know I'm a fucking white lady what do I know about diversity but like 
I like it. Um, I don't know. Iron Man and and the Spider Man have have touching father son moments. And you're just Do like they? God. Both of you need therapy. Do they? Just, just straight the fuck up. I don't like. I guess like I think you're supposed to think like the part after he Iron Man comes in and like cleans up Spider Man's mess with the fairy, and like I think that's supposed to be like a moment. Because he's like, I bet you're not even with me. And it's like, no, I'm here because I care about you. And I don't know. He's kind of a shit parent. Can we yeah. talk about that? Like, uh, Iron yeah. Man is kind Iron of a Man shit. Iron Man kind of <laughs> sucks as a character. Like, sucks as a character. Sucks as a parent. Sucks as a husband, I'm sure. Like, Pepper. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. This is I, mean, how, I mean, how good could a capitalist yeah, get? Yeah, exactly. This is yeah. why, this is why yeah. I don't care about Iron Man. Like, yeah. Uh, okay, can we? Can I get into the things that I didn't like about this movie? Yeah, go, like, fucking okay. go for it. I All don't right. care. So, do you care? I mean, like a little bit because it is my second favorite version of Spider-Man. S- so here's the thing: it was my favorite until Into the Spider-Verse came out, and then I fucking and, love it. And the I Spider-verse. think that's part of the reason why I didn't like this movie as that's much. That's totally because fucking fair. I saw this after Into the Spider-Verse, and Into the Spider-Verse is a way better Spider-Man movie. That's fair. Um, That's totally fair. Tom Holland is great as Spider-Man. I will not deny that. Like, Tom Holland, like, especially in, you know, like, I think he's better in Infinity War. Like, I think he probably was actually my favorite part of Infinity War. Yeah, like, in the MCU, he's a really great Spider-Man for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But not necessarily, like, outside of that. Right. You know what I mean? And Does, I, that, does that make sense? And I feel like my big problem with this Alex movie, is like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen, I, any, I haven't seen yeah. any of this shit. Seen, I don't I've, know what you nerds are talking about. Can we go back to talking about Soviet Russia? I, anyway. I feel like my big problem with this movie I is that it doesn't, it doesn't stand on its own as a movie. And I... Oh, uh, that's a good point. I feel like that's the weakest You part. have to have seen... You have to have seen... seen Captain America Civil War. Things that I do like though, um, so in the beginning in the beginning of the movie, um, Michael Keaton's character is like, you know, this he's this guy from New York and he's got like a team of dudes and they do stuff like, you know, clean up. Um, they basically they go and they clean up after the Avengers. Um I fucking love that the Avengers both gave him his job and then caused him to become a supervillain. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because basically what happens, and this is the shitty, like, capitalism is the real villain of the MCU. And here's fucking why, bitches. Is because, like, so Michael Michael Keaton's there with, like, him, and he's he's got his, like, group of dudes, and he's, like, trying to get work for them. And so the, this idea is that they're going to go in and they're going to clean up the Avengers yeah. so that way they can rebuild the parts of New York City that they totally trashed. Yeah. And, and so it starts right after the events yeah, of the first Avengers The first movie. Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And then as they're starting to clean up, basically these bitches in suits roll in and they're like, oh no, this is all Tony Stark. So fucking Tony Stark, worst character in the MCU. Because not only does he fucking cause all of this mess, he then profits off of it because he got the government to give his company exclusive rights to cleaning up and rebuilding from whatever the Avengers are fucking up. So this is where I feel like I should care more about Vulture as a character. Yeah. But I feel like they kind of dropped the ball. Yeah, they, like because they should have done more with that. Because yeah. that's like a really fucked that's, up thing. Right. But we can't, 
We can't make Iron Man the bad guy, guys. Even though this, again, is coming out of Captain America Civil War, in which he emphatically is the bad guy of that movie. Yeah. So, like, if you were going to, like, just take it to, you know what I mean? Like, take it to the 10. Like, take it to, take the concept all the way. Like, make him the shithead, because he's a shithead. Yeah. Let's also take this back even for, like, again, let's take it back again, because... He's also kind of the bad guy in Age of Ultron because he makes Ultron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so basically like, everything bad that happens in the MCU he, is directly Iron Man's fault, which is why I don't give a shit about him as character. But it, Unless it know. doesn't take place on Earth. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah no, everything on Earth. Everything on Earth is Tony Stark's fault. Mm-hmm. And we are all better now that he's dead. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Spoilers for a movie that yeah, came whatever. out in May. Um... um Anyway, so, okay, so let, let me talk about the things that I just... Oh, my God. I'm sorry. That just makes me so angry that it's, like, like... And then you start thinking, oh, my God, this shit happens in real fucking life, yeah. too, doesn't it? North and Gummer, we're coming for you. But, but just, uh, this is why... This is why Vulture heads should on be... Pikes. A, this is why heads Vulture should be a better character. Because yeah. we should... And this is the this is the thing where I feel like the Sam Raimi movies are actually stronger than this movie. Fair. Because you do root for Doc Octopus in the second one. Like, you get where he's coming from. All of the characters have a lot. Like, all of the villains have a lot of pathos in the Raimi movies, with the exception of uh, of Venom. But that's only probably because he's played by the guy who plays Eric from that 70s show, and no one gives a shit about that guy. Uh, (laughs) Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Um, Yeah. Uh, He is, like, the mirror mask uh, Tobey Maguire, Yeah, he is. Like, he he really... Um, But it's... That was well-casted. It, it's but it's totally like you care about the relationship between Spider-Man and Norman Osborn in the first movie. Yeah, you care about the relationship between Spider-Man and um, Doctor and and Doctor Octavius in in Spider-Man Two. You care about the relationship between him and uh, I was such a good and Harry. Yep, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you care about the relationship between him. Him and Harry in Spider-Man Three, and then Sandman also has a really interesting arc where he's like, "I'm just trying to get back to my daughter, and I have all these terrible things happening to me." Like, all of those characters are really, really interesting. And you could have really rooted for Vulture, and you fucking you should, have. because it's really fucking bullshit that he gets totally. But here's how they fuck it up. Fucked over here's... by this by by Iron Man who is destroyed the city and is now getting paid to clean up the city that he fucking destroyed yeah. like we really like why is this not a bigger deal in the fucking it sound, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. It, yeah and it, they just they blow it over yeah and they never return to that fact that it's like iron man's actually fucking them all yeah. over but here's here's how they fuck it up is because instead of it being like because they see the stuff they see because it's all this alien tech left over from when the aliens invaded at the end of ultra uh, at the end of the first avengers movie um, and the guy, one of his guys is like, man, you can make a lot of really cool stuff with it. And it's like, oh, so he's going to try to make stuff with it and then get in trouble. And it's like, no, he immediately goes to becoming a weapons dealer, yeah. <laughs> like selling weapons to criminals who are using it to like do stick up jobs on the streets. Like do- that's how Donnell Glover's character comes into it. He's yeah. like, I'm just looking for a weapon where I can hold someone up. Cause I'm trying to make money. Yeah. And it's like, I don't need all this like anti-gravity, like anti-matter laser guns. Bullshit. And like, that's, that's not like, a weapon. And that's his reason actually for, for helping, for Spider-Man. helping Spider-Man. He doesn't want like, that shit on the street. Shit, like, my nephew, my nephew lives in this neighborhood. Like I don't, 
Like, that's not a weapon you sell to a criminal. That's a weapon you sell to the Saudis. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like... It makes no It makes no sense. sense. Like, why not make it into something else and then, like, get in trouble for making it into something else? Mm-hmm. And then, and just then out like, of desperation. Mm-hmm. But he immediately jumps to selling weapons. Yeah. And it's and like, it, no, I'm yeah. sorry. That's not a sympathetic character. And the only relationship that he has is he goes to pick up his daughter for homecoming, hence the name of the movie, and he answers the door and he recognizes him and they recognize each other because they've seen each other already mm-hmm. um or at least he recognizes him and then the, the dad kind of pieces together very quickly that this kid's spider-man this, this, this kid, kid is, is spider-man this kid is Spider-Man. um and so like that's it's just such a fucking it's such a waste yeah of a really good potential for a character right a really interesting arc a really but i think it's because like we can't make Iron Man the bad guy. And yeah. I feel like that, I feel like there was some, I feel like there was some screenwriter that was like literally having the argument that we're having now yeah. and being like, no, Iron Man's a shithead. But, and we yeah. should use this movie and to talk said, about what a shithead he is. The entire movie, like you said that there's, oh, there's these sweet moments between him and Spider-Man. They're like, like Spider- they're, but, they're supposed to be sweet. But they're they not. They have all the like, hallmarks. Like, they're supposed, they're, they're doing Man, all the things to make you feel Iron feelings. Iron Man's in an emotionally distant asshole through this entire movie. If he, if he took the time to listen to what Spider-Man has to tell him about, hey, there's this guy who's stealing this stuff and selling it on the streets, like, the movie would have been over. Yeah. And like no, so, for sure. again, oh, the other Iron thing. Man's the bad guy because he's unwilling to like take the time to listen. But, to but this he kid. tells he tells him after the fact that he listened to him. Yeah, which but, is another thing that really pisses me off is like, why are you such a shithead that you can't just be like, hey, Peter. That was a good... Because he talks about it after the theory. He's like, well, why do you think we had agents on there in the first place? It's because I listened to you. And it's like, yeah, but you never at any fucking point told Spider-Man that you listened to him. There, at Never at any point did you tell this teenager, like, good job, Peter. That's a good point. I'm going to send some agents. What? Because, like, it's just... Like, both capitalism and toxic masculinity are really the two mm-hmm. villains of this movie. Because at any fucking point, had anybody fucking communicated what they that what they had heard, how they had listened to one another, or like because it's not that they're not listening, it's that they're not communicating that they have listened to them, mm-hmm. and that's the fucking problem. I'm sorry. So like, I really, I really love it. I fucking hate Iron Man in this movie, but um, the relationship that Peter has with. His it's a very funny movie, I have to say. It is. The relationship that he has with his peers is very realistic. Mm-hmm. The relationship that he has with his teachers is very realistic. The school setting, how he kind of goes about his life in New York, I think is pretty realistic. So like there I like that they don't spend a lot of time in the origin story. I don't I like that they the way they they recap the events of um Captain America Civil War. So there, there are a lot of things that I do like about it, but I think if you just fucking bellied up and admitted that Iron Man's a shithead and made Vulture a stronger villain, because all the pieces are there, you just didn't put it in the right puzzle. I like, think if, like, even if you want to redeem Iron Man, like, if you set him up as a shithead and acknowledge it, 
Yeah. Then that gives him the opportunity to grow as a character. Right. But if you don't, then... Because he does eventually get his mm-hmm. redemption in Infinity Wars when he sacrifices himself. But, like, in the immortal Endgame. words... Oh, Endgame. I'm sorry. In Endgame, he sacrifices himself. But in the immortal words of Abed Nadir from Community, at first it must be earned. Yeah. Like, that's how he, you know... And there, there are a lot of missed opportunities when you start looking at the MCU as a whole... There's a lot of missed opportunities to make Tony more of a shithead. Yeah. Or to make it more clear that he's a shithead. That he's a, yeah. Because I feel like, yeah, because he is through a lot of it, but, yeah. But, like, at the end of the day, you're still supposed to buy his toys. Yeah. And, like, eat his Happy Meal and suck his dick. (laughs) (laughs) Like, can we we make, like, one of those... um, Soviet propaganda pit cartoons of like the capitalist with like the the monocle and the the top hat and have it like on Iron Man's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like... and the other thing that, that needs to be the image for this episode. <laughs> and the, the thing I think that is like really apparent for me is because I I feel like I should like the Marvel movies more than I do. Well, because you're you're telegraphed and you're told. Yeah. Like we're real. Like there's a lot of messaging right now about. You should like these mm-hmm. movies. Hey, nerds, but like I, these movies. But I do. Like but know. I do. And, and and I realized watching this movie what it was. Like, what the, the defining factor of whether I, like, love it or whether I'm like, and it's just another Marvel movie. Yeah. The movies that I love are the ones that are made by specific filmmakers who have mm. specific visions. Like, I'm probably the only person in the world who thinks that the Thor movie, like the first one, is the best of the Phase 1 Marvel movies. And it's purely because it was made by a director who I like telling a story that he's familiar with. It's directed by fucking Kenneth Branagh, who's essentially doing Shakespeare with these characters. Yeah. Like, it's a story about a fall and a redemption. Uh, but Kenneth I know you don't like Kenneth Branagh, but I, like I kind Kenneth of like Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. He's not, and he's not in the movie. You like Kenneth Branagh because you're white and you have a penis. I like Kenneth Branagh as a director. I don't necessarily like when he directs himself as an actor, but he, since he doesn't appear in Thor... Because Much Ado About Nothing is about Benedict. I, th- don't you know? That's why I'm saying I don't like okay. that. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Thank saying you I don't that. like that. Do you want to Do you want to bring up this? Like, Because it sounds like there's some kind of underlying... Oh, right. sorry. Do we need to talk about this? Kenneth- so Nick and I have a lot of arguments as a couple. And one of them is whether or not Kenneth Branagh is a good director. I think he's a good director. I think he's also an egomaniac. You can be both of those things at the same time. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think he's... So Kenneth Branagh directed a version of Much Ado About Nothing, which was really well casted. Yeah. um, From the early 2000s. So you have fucking Emma goddamn Thompson. Mm Mm-hmm. Who who he was married to at the time. Who he was married to at the time played Beatrice. You had uh, Wilson from House was Claudio. Yep. You had um, Denzel, no, Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. Wow, I am drunk. Yeah. Denzel Washington yes. was the prince. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves was his emo little brother, which Don perfectly, John. Don John, perfectly cast until you open his mouth and you realize Keanu yeah. Reeves does he has not no know luck, how to do Shakespeare. But he does not know how to do Shakespeare. <laughs> and to be fair, like they cut down Don John's part a lot yeah. in the movie because of that reason. And then Kenneth fucking Oh, Rana. and Michael Keaton. And Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton is Dogberry. Dog which is also perfectly Perfect cast. cast. He's 
perfectly cast. Um, so there are a lot of really wonderful things about that movie. It is really, really well cast. But Kenneth fucking Branagh plays Benedict. Yep. And he makes the entire fucking movie about, about him. Benedict, which it's just... And cuts out all oh, of Beatrice's lines of where Beatrice's she makes lines. fun of him the most. And it's like very, it's very obvious what he's doing. Yeah. And he's trying to make Benedict seem like a hero. And he's not. He's yeah. also kind of a shithead. But, but okay, my point is, he directs Anyways. a good movie. Like his he, his Hamlet. His Hamlet's really good. good. His Henry V is really Which good. Which he is not in. He is. He is? Yes. Is he fucking Hamlet? Yes! Have you never seen his version of Hamlet? He's no. also Henry V, which He's you also, can watch on Tubi. Yeah, which but I also had it on, on DVD. Okay, uh, um, but He, like, ruined one of my favorite fucking books by Shakespeare. I, I agree, because that, that's a terrible version of that play. But I think his... Go watch Children. Go watch the David Tennant, oh, um, yeah. Catherine one, Tate version. Um, I think it's, like, on YouTube or something. No, you have to buy it's it a, It's a filmed... It's a filmed performance of when they did it for the Royal Shakespeare Theater in London. It is to die for. But I think, just watch that version. I think his first Thor movie, the the which he directs, is great because he's not the main character and he's not in it at all. Yeah. So he's just able to direct it. And again, it is a Shakespearean drama in some senses because it's about it has a lot of like Shakespearean style themes, right? Like no, when you're dealing with a you're dealing with, with a family, families, you're dealing or... with sibling rivalry yeah. and like you know redemption you know, redemption and, and falls mm, and you know no, no, no. i totally i it, can see that and he suits the material well and he clearly has a vision that he wants to do which is why he does probably the best thing in the entire mcu when it comes to casting by casting idris elba as heimdall like he's the one you can thank for idris elba being in the mcu that's fair okay that so is fair. that that's one of them the other movies that from the MCU that I really love are the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Which, With Thor Ragnarok, but uh, is also... Again, Thor Ragnarok is also one that's directed by a filmmaker who has a vision for the story he wants and to tell. And that's also why like Black Panther is really good. Black because Panther's you the same way. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. We have James Gunn. And so it's like, those are the movies that I go in. I'm like, yeah, these are good. And then it's like, there are other ones where it's like, you know, these are like they're fine. They're nothing. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're like done by workmen directors. Yeah. Like the guy who directed um, Spider-Man. I think that was maybe his second. I, I looked him up on IMDb because I was curious about this. This is kind of what made me think about it. The guy's name is um, uh, John Watts, um, oh. and he's like. Six years older than me, so you yeah. know he's not—he's not very old. So okay, he's—he's he's got a filmography of like twenty movies, most of which are shorts. Yeah. Um, his first, his first uh, theatrical release. Uh, yeah. He directed stuff for the Onion, like the Onion News Network. Meh. Uh, his first theatrical movie was called Our Robocop Remake in 2014. So his first theatrical film was three years before Spider-Man. Kenneth Branagh? No, no, no. no. <laughs> we're, talking about, we're talking about the guy who directed Spider-Man. Sorry, I stepped away from the mic for a second. Um, no, you're fine. Um, yeah, and like, no, I get it. He directed, before Spider-Man, it's his fourth feature film. 
He directed our RoboCop remake, Clown, which was based off of a short film that he directed. Um, It's a horror film about a guy who finds a cursed clown costume and turns into an evil clown. A Um, lot of these guys are like... And Cop Cop Car with with Kevin Bacon (laughs) are the only films that he directed before Spider-Man. And the only film that he's directed after Spider-Man is Spider-Man Far From Home. So it's like... Not someone who has a lot of experience as a filmmaker who necessarily, like, has a vision for what he wants to do. He's given this film by Disney and says, here, make a movie with this property. It's got to have this, 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 and this. And he, I, yeah. Like, that's that's the stuff that I don't like, like about the MCU. Do- Doctor Strange is very similar. That it's it gives like, unexperienced directors a chance to try something. Possibly. I mean, but, but With it's a not, huge budget. But, it's, but here's the thing about that. It's not that it's giving inexperienced directors a chance to do something with a huge budget. It's giving inexperienced directors a task. Mm -hmm. Like, we need this film to happen. It needs to hit these plot beats. Go out and make it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I get what you mean. I was just kind of speaking as the devil's advocate. I I can see that. but and And I do like it when people do things like that. And a lot of times, like, you can get amazing stuff from it like just last week i was kind of talking about uh or not last week but last episode i was talking about um oh gosh uh roger corman who basically did that without the gigantic budgets but basically like roger corman's entire career was propping up people starting in films which i think is very admirable but i don't see like disney's not doing that it's it's, i think it's because unless you're a big bigger name with a vision like right. James Gunn um, or who am I thinking of who did Thor Ragnarok? Obviously Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Um, um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name too. The guy who did uh, what we, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Uh, um, he has a crazy New Zealand name, yeah. but it's, it's this idea of getting out of the director's way and Disney's just not going to do that. For anyone, to keep uh, Watiti, yeah, Watiti, um, and which which was very obvious to me with that first Ant Man movie because that was originally supposed to be directed by um, um, uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright, thank you, yeah, that was originally supposed to be directed by Edgar Wright, which I fucking would have seen, and then they were like, no, 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 you're making this too much of an Edgar Wright movie, and they kicked him off the project, yeah, so it's like. Edgar Wright Ant-Man would have defeated Thanos. I, yeah. <laughs> right? I And it's so just like... It, and that was one of the... I think that was probably the moment that I kind of fell off. Can you imagine Simon Pegg as Ant-Man? Well, it wasn't going to be Simon No, Pegg. but imagine if it was. <laughs> no, that'd be fucking great. That would be great. I mean, I love Paul Rudd, but that'd be fu- pretty fucking great. I think Paul Rudd is a really good choice for that character, though. And I feel like Paul Rudd and Edgar Wright would be an excellent, like pair of people to tell that story mm-hmm. but yeah then he's like oh no no you're making it you're you're getting too far from the marvel brand which yeah. is that's a little bit upsetting so here's a question yeah we have all these different directors and all these different uh, people you know doing disney's yeah. bidding for this marvel for this mm-hmm. grand plot the mouse now is best who came up with the overarching mcu well, the original, like, the, the original runner, that the, the guy that they had running all of it mm-hmm. was, um, 
God, I'm terrible with names today. What was that? What is that guy's name? Uh, Buffy. Oh God damn it, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, thank you. No, no, no. His name is not Joss Whedon. It is Oh God damn it, Joss Whedon. Yeah, like so he was the guy that was kind of overseeing all of Phase One. Yeah. And then, you know, the mouse got involved with. Um, which was because that was before the mouse got involved. Was when yeah. like a lot of Phase One was before that merger happened. So is that with like the original Hulk movie and like yeah the, the Edward yeah. Norton Hulk movie and like the first Iron Man movie were before. Um, no, I thought the uh, the Ed Norton Hulk movie was like not actually related to the MCU is. as we know. It, it is. Oh really? Yeah. Shit. That was the second movie in the MCU. So why is Ed Norton no, no longer playing he's Hulk? He's fucking Edward Norton and he's an ecomaniac. Oh. That makes me so sad. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. He was, oh. Yeah, no, so he, yeah, makes they didn't. Makes me sad that he's a shithead. Yeah, they recast him. <laughs> they recast him because basically he got, he, he got too big for, you know, he Too got, big for Disney. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even, again, it wasn't Disney at that point. Well, by the time, yet. by the time the Hulk returned, it was Disney. Mm. No? Because mm. I was still, Hulk returns in the Avengers. Avengers, yeah. Which is still phase one, which is still before the Fox or Disney was, merger. Or, but he got, he got recast, I think, while Avengers was, like, first starting filming. Yeah. So I think maybe by the time Avengers came out, I can't remember. But in any event. Because he's not, he's not the Hulk in no, the Avengers. No, they, re, they recast him for the Avengers. Yeah. And it's, it's been, and I think that was a good move, actually. Because I feel like. Um, I feel like they got a better Ed actor. Norton's not a... Like, he needs to be left in, like, indie movies. And yeah. I, I really like seeing him on film, but he's not a he's not a blockbuster guy. Um, like. But then uh, with Phase 2, yeah, I think I think that's when the merger happens. I'd have to yeah. check, but I'm pretty sure that's when the merger happens. And so for Age of Ultron... Because that's why Spider-Man can exist in the yeah. MCU is because of the merger and then... Well, but also because Sony. Sony keeps fucking up Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they were... Because during Phase 1, they were, that's when The Amazing Spider-Man comes out. Yeah. And that's like three movies that nobody ever two talks movies. about again. Two movies? Oh, yeah, did you even make movies. it to three? They were going to make that whole like, <laughs> series. <laughs> they are going to make funny. an entire Spider-Man universe because they were going to do like Sinister Six movies yeah. and things like that. Um, and then that never happened. Um, but... So, so yeah, who's who's at the wheel now? I what is that guy? Paul. Um. Jesus, what is that guy's name? Vanderman. Uh, um. But yeah, though there is a there is a guy who's in charge of it, but he's just like. He's just this guy. He's just this guy. Zaphod's just this guy. You he's know? just this guy. You know. Um. Uh. Who is in charge of the MCU? As everyone looks on their phone. Everyone's I know, right? So, um, Kevin Feige? Ke yes, that's it. Kevin Feige. That's what it is. Kevin Feige. So what else is Kevin Feige known for? Um, Being an executive. So Well, like, he has been the producer on, like, X-Men, yeah. Daredevil, Punisher. Like, he really he's hasn't done anything outside of the comic book world. Yeah. But he's a producer. Like, he's not a director. Yeah. Like, and that's what I'm saying is that... I think that's probably why... It's almost like it's everything's better when you just let artists do their job. Yeah. You know? Like, when you don't... Like, there's a reason why we're talking about Spider-Man Homecoming and we're not all gushing about um, Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, there's, and, there's a, you know, and there's a reason why I think that uh, Enter the Spider-Verse was a better movie. Because that was a movie that, again, was made by, you know, 
uh, Lord, oh, what's his name? Lord, um, Mitchell and Lord or whatever it is. Like those two, the guys from Clone High. Yeah. Um, they have a vision of what they wanted to do and they just like, okay, yeah, make this movie. Um, and I feel like that's, that's the way you should be doing it. Give these films to people and be like, oh, okay, yeah, do what you want. Tell the story you want the to tell. The story is by Phil Lord. It's created, directed by Peter Ramsey, Bob uh, Perchetti, and Rodney Rothman. Phil, but still, Phil Lord was the guy who was but like... Phil, Phil Lord created the story. The story. Um, and, um, and at this Unless point... Unless that artist is Joss Whedon, in which case you kill it dead. Yeah. But, at this, but at this point, it's just like... You know, they're making a product. Like, the what made that first phase so good is because they were, like, storytellers who were kind of working together to tell one big story. And it was all kind of interesting. And then, you know, by this phase two, it was, like, more and more becoming a product. And now, like, most of it is just that. It's just product. Like, yeah. buy, buy product, consume product, get excited for next product. Yeah. And I feel like that was my big problem with like like all the parts were there for a Spider-Man movie that I should have loved, but it was just like. So who would you have rather directed it? Because all the parts are there. Yeah. All the parts are there. I, how do you I, how I do you feel make like, it into well, something that is I like? I feel like you would have to kind of redo it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because again, it is just kind of there to set up okay here's who spider-man is in this universe now so you can get excited for the next time spider-man shows up you know who i think would have been really cool to have directed um a spider-man movie sam raimi shut up <laughs> no actually mark forrester and here's here's my argument why so mark okay. forrester is known for finding neverland stranger than fiction and monster ball mm -hmm. um Three very different movies. <laughs> but um, one of the things that he does that's really, really cool is he plays a lot with, like, moving the camera. Yeah. And, like, there, in Finding Neverland, this is, there's this really big shot of you are in the point of view of the actress playing Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. And you go up, you know, like, it's, it's like you swing up through the theater and you land on, on Freddie Highmore's face. And I think that kind of very, like, playful, I think, would have done well with Spider-Man as the MCU has taken it. Right. I think that would have been, I think you could have done some, I think he would have done some really interesting point of view shots from Spider-Man. I think he would have done, like, less jerky and much more fluid um, filmmaking. I think... He works really well with children and getting good performances out of out of younger actors. So, like, I, yeah. I could see that. Mark Forrester for the next... Mark Forrester for directing the third Spider-Man movie, which we all know is fucking coming. Um, I know. Again, my big problem... It wasn't necessarily the direction itself. It was, it was the fact that it was clearly just done to... Hit these points. Hit yeah, these marks. Hit, hit these marks. Make these, make these jokes. Yeah. And... Yeah. And I feel like just anyone anyone who has a, an idea for, like, what Spider-Man should be doing in, yeah. in this universe that, like, wants to actually tell a story, yeah. I feel like should be given it. Because, um, again, James Gunn clearly has a story to tell. And, like, yeah. that's why I'm really glad he's back for the next one. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my big gripe with it. 
Uh, I think we need to wrap it up. I do. And I haven't had a chance to talk about Nier yet, but I also haven't beaten it. So, um, Nier's really, really good. Um, it makes me feel all the bad feelings. Hey, you know what also makes us feel all the bad feelings is Evangelion, which is coming to Netflix tomorrow. Which will be today by the time this podcast is out. Mm, No, it will be tomorrow. No, no, no. But I'm saying Evangelion's coming out tomorrow. So, by the time the podcast comes out... No, it's coming out tonight. I'm... Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. That, that's why I'm going downstairs and editing immediately okay. and uploading it. Okay. Every every Thursday, no fails. All right. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sorry that we fucked you over. Nah, you weren't feeling well. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. Although we should probably ask, is there going to be an episode in two weeks? Because the two uh, of you. No, we are going to be out of the country in two weeks. Woo! So every every other Thursday with some fails. With some. Fails. <laughs> with some fails. Some fails. Well, we can't release content if we don't have content. That's but true. Um, in any case, a short hiatus from the podcast, but we will be returning uh, after that, like like in four weeks. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, we're probably about four weeks. We'll be back in the 23rd, so sometime after that. All right, yeah. so. But we will not have consumed anything because we are. You will, we, will, we will be consuming culture. Culture, culture. of Europe. We'll talk to you about Iceland. Mm-hmm. All the wonderful things that we get to do there. So I guess it's on me to... Oh, God. A month where it's me that has to consume all the culture and then talk about it on yes. the podcast. And you two have to listen to whatever it is that I saw. Okay. <laughs> Don't go mad with the power. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll probably be done oh, by Nier by, by the next time we're, we've recorded. Yeah. So I can talk about Nier. That'll be fine. All right. Well, until that time, thank you all for listening. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And this is Summer to have a podcast. Good night.